As a franchisor, you're going to be nurturing your brand to figure out what it takes on both sides to still protect it, but also grow and adapt as time goes so on. So if I put my technology in and it doesn't do what it's what I'm promising it to do, and that restaurant goes out of business, who's going to lose? No matter what the law is, no matter what the legality say, a franchisee expects exceptional support. And that's what fees means to them. So if you break down the word fees, franchisees expect exceptional support. Thank you for tuning in today. Today, we're going to talk about a topic that even I'm not too familiar with, but don't worry because we have an expert in this space who's going to walk you through the whole uh, subject matter uh, in this case. He's a subject matter expert in franchising. He's uh, franchised many different brands, has also helped grow many different brands uh, to um, several skills. Uh, we have Kendall Ware here. Uh, he was the former president of Cinnabon and Carvel running uh, about 2,200 locations globally, uh, $2.5 billion P&L statement. And he's also been part of several other concepts that uh, he helped franchise and also grow uh, restaurant count through franchising. So we're going to jump on to uh, the topic. We'll let Kendall explain. Uh, we'll start with the first uh, topic that we want to cover, and that's the new people that are trying to franchise. We've had uh, three or four people that came up uh, in fact, I had one uh, joined from uh, Florida that has four locations and they wanted to start franchising, et cetera. So if they were talking to you, what advice would you give them? I wish I would have thought it yesterday. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so I, I think there is a huge opportunity here, uh, mainly around the education piece. So yesterday, I was supposed to do this connection meetup, right? Where you meet up with people at the show who are interested in franchising and just have some networking and conversation. They said 10 to 15 people might show up, right? I said, cool, I'll sit down with them, no problem. Got there, four people showed up. I said, okay, whatever, four people, let's have a conversation. I sit down on these little couch pillows with them and we just start talking. Before I know it, there are over 100 people who are in a circle around me, just screaming, get this guy a mic, we gotta, I can't hear this guy. I wanna ask about my restaurant. Hey, what about mine? I started a food truck. People were going crazy about adding franchise information from the lens of how do I franchise my existing business? Sure. And I was overwhelmingly shocked and I just was screaming at the top of my lungs to try to get answered out there, right? And that told me something. There is a, a need there. People are wanting to figure this out, but are just hesitant. And most people in that area were just scared and nervous about the protection of their brand. So, so I'll, I'll cover a couple of things. When you look at how to start franchising, one, make sure you have a business worth franchising. What does that mean? First of all, more would you would you let your mother run and operate this business with her own money gotcha. would you would you allow your own mom to become a franchisee of your brand gotcha. right what i mean by that is is it actually financial financially like feasible can you make money in this business is it profitable and have you proven it out to where the model itself is optimized meaning you know how many steps to take to make this product you know exactly how much square footage you need to deliver upon the, the financial expectations that you have? Uh, are, have you optimized every square foot in your space to be revenue generating? Whether that's through product, whether that's through POP, digital you know, advertising space, whatever it is, but have you optimized your model to where not only is it attractive and profitable, it's also replicatable. Like, can it be done by anybody? Mm -hmm. And if it can, if it's a, oh no, this is Hamed's place, only Hamed yeah. can make this product, nobody can do it better than Hamed, then it's not going to go anywhere. Sure. Right. 
But if you can say, no, I have the system and standards in place to where if you just follow this and I've removed, by the way, over the years, I've removed 72 other steps you don't have to do anymore, then now it's ready to go and be franchised. But if you're still all over the place and trying to figure it out and you're not confident in it and you're having some struggles, it's just not ready to be franchised yet. Gotcha. So that's the first step. First step is make sure you actually have a model worth franchising. It is operationally sound, financially strong, and can be replicated by anybody. Okay. From there, now you have to go after all the, the boring stuff. Mm -hmm. You have to go out there and get a legal FDD, which is your franchise disclosure document. That is basically the Bible of your brand. You have to have one of these FDD documents before you can go and even franchise. So you're having this document that tells you everything about your franchise, how much it costs to build, uh, what you're going to provide as a franchisor when it comes to service and you know overall support. It's going to cover how much your locations are performing in terms of uh, revenue and, and EBITDA. And it's going to also give a list of anybody who's in your system today, if you had anybody. But if you're getting started out, you're basically going to think about all the things it takes to not only you know start, but also operate um, your business and, and from a cost standpoint and functionality standpoint. So what platforms, what vendors, what equipment, what furniture, what specs, what logo, like all these things come into play. You have to go through all that. You have to do the same thing for the franchise agreement. You have to create your own franchise agreement. That's being so the FDD and the franchise agreement are different. They are they are different documents, but it'd be that you'd probably be billing those with the same attorney, you know, in franchising. So that was going to be our next question. So we have to get an attorney involved yep. to write the documents. Yep. Yeah, if you're an attorney, you're most likely going to spend about a hundred grand to get an FDD going. Oh wow, that expensive on that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, by the time you have the, all the legal fees and the conversations, yeah. And, the guy, I mean, it'll, it'll be around that cost. Every brand I've ever had an FDD for, that's usually the budget, about 100 gotcha. grand to have that. Now you got to go, once you have those two documents, so FDD, franchise agreement, you have those sound. Now you're going to go out there and register in certain states to become a franchise. Some states regulate how franchising works. For example, some states say, hey, you got to pay us to you know do business in the state. Some say, ah, yeah, we're not a registration state. You just do whatever you want, which is scary. If you yeah. live in some of those states <laughs> as a franchisee, just beware. Yeah. Um, some say, no, you know what? We don't allow you to franchise unless you have three years of operating history. Sorry, you can't oh, franchise man. in a state. So there's a lot of different legalities behind that, but that's why you need a franchise attorney to help you really walk through all this, right? Makes sense. Um, and once you got that figured out, now you can basically open the doors, right? You can start franchising. And when you do that, I, the mistake most people make is they go after the check. They're trying to get the franchise fee, that first franchise fee, right? And many people ask, well, what, what do I charge my franchise fee? How much should I put into it? Like, you know, where do I start? Well, who are your competitors? And what are they charging for a franchise fee today? What is their royalty today? What is their ad fee today? And wherever your competitors are who are larger than you, then be somewhere in the ballpark. And of course, maybe a little lower just to be competitive uh, in the beginning. But what happens is people chase the check. And the moment they get a taste of that first franchise check, that becomes a huge focus and it feels good. It's a hook. It's a hook and it's like a drug. And now you're just going after trying to sell your franchise. But the successful franchises do not sell anything. Yeah. They award franchises. I agree 100% on that. In fact, we have a franchise. Uh, we have a franchise door in our customer base that initially that's what they did. And then they realized, oh, this is the one way of doing it. And they pivoted it. Right. And they said the only way we'll franchise to you if you're a multi-unit operator yep. and if you're a multi-brand operator. So if right. you don't own other franchisees, 
we won't let you become a franchisee of our company. Yep. And there's some brands that say, hey, if you have other franchise concepts, you we can't want be a franchise. And that's ridiculous, yeah. right? Now you're missing out on talent. You're missing sure. out on opportunity. Um, but I think it's good to have your own characteristics, your own standards that are defined that say, hey, here's what makes up a good operator for my brand. And you're going to know that if you've been operating the location that you have or the five locations you have or whatever. Sure. And, and going just a little bit backwards, I, I would recommend to always have at least one location. Mm -hmm. Believe it or not, franchises start every day that have no locations, right? Oh, they yeah. have an idea or they have a dream. Or they have an I don't even know how people will franchise <laughs> that. Like for me, it's like you have no proof of model. So why, yeah, why should I? I can just go do it myself. It's a different level of, of franchisees and franchisors out there. But I would say you obviously have at least one. But when you get to that five mark, once you've been operating five locations, you're going to have enough data and insight to say, hey, we've proven this model out, right? That's like that sweet spot where if I'm a franchisee, I'm more comfortable investing in that because I know it's, it's worked some kinks out already, right? Sure. Uh, but once you get that figured out, uh, when it comes to the, all the legality stuff and, and you know, getting that, you know, choose your fee based upon your competitors, have all those outlined, um, but don't just chase the check. Figure out how are you going to award somebody, meaning this is my brand. I've obviously believed in this brand. It's probably my, you know, mother's or grandmother's special recipe. You know, I've turned it into this. It's something you're trying to protect, mm -hmm. right? So you want to make sure you're not just letting anybody in who's going to pay you a dollar. Yeah. You want to make sure that you have a process that they have to go through where you're going to award something based upon, you know, how they're performing and how they meet up to your standards, right? Um, and then, you know, when it comes to the fees, some people make mistakes by discounting a lot in the beginning. They'll, they'll say, yeah, I'm going to be a $35,000 franchise fee, let's say. First guy comes to the table, they start negotiating, they get him down to zero. Or they get him down to 50% off or whatever. Then they say, hey, also, since you're new, um, I don't really want to pay royalties. And you as a franchisor might say, oh, okay, I really need a franchisee, so fine, just come on in, right? But next thing you know, all these discounts, all, all the letting go you did, all that has to be reported in your FDD. Oh, okay. interesting. So if I'm a franchisee and I'm now coming looking at your brand, I'm looking through the page. I'm like, wait a minute. It says you gave franchise fees away for for free. There's no charges for franchise fees. Why are you asking me to pay you $35,000? Interesting. And now you're just going in this cycle. Same conversation about royalties. Oh, wow. You gave them half off for six months. You're trying to charge me 6% overnight. I want half off for six months. It's a never ending cycle. I see. So whatever you do, it's your choice, it's your decision as a franchisor, but whatever you do, just know others are going to see it. Others yeah. are going to hear about it. That's why sometimes it's best to not do that and work out other negotiation tactics, right? If Sure, if someone's coming to you and they're going to say, hey, I want to do 50 units with you, I'd work a deal out with that. That's a different conversation. Yes, potential franchisee of one unit. Yeah. I worked a deal out because they purchased 50 yeah, units. Yeah. So I gave them a package deal, yeah. right? Uh, sometimes if there's a struggle or you're helping an existing franchisee, you might say, hey, I'm going to give you a product credit, right? I'm going to apply a discount on your franchise fee, pay it in full, but the discount will be in the form of product, yeah. right? I'm going to give this to Cisco. Cisco is going to have you a, a running balance and, you know, you deplete through that. But you can do other things to help incentivize if you need to. But I would always stay true to your, your brand's fees because that's showing your value. The people see that you are saying you're 35 grand and you're charging 35 grand. There's something valuable here. They believe in their own brand. Sure. Right. Right. All right. What's next? So uh, get your, uh, uh, make sure the brand is ready. Get your FTD stuff. Yeah. Pre-qualify and, and kind of build that ideal and customer profile for your, right. for your restaurant. Where do you go next? How do you start finding franchises? How, right. uh, how do you find people? Where do you go to find people that says, hey, 
franchise my restaurant. Right. You got to start telling your story online. There's got to be some storytelling that's showing the growth of your brand, right? Doing press releases locally, nationally, just getting the word out there, doing social media posts, paid advertising targeted to a certain you know, demographic, a certain area that you want to grow in. Another mistake franchise franchisors make is they just open up the floodgates. They go register in all the states we possibly can. They pay all the fees. They say, hey, we're franchising US wide. That's pointless because you don't have a distribution yet to do that. Yeah. You think you do because you, you know, it's easy to go start up. But once you start working those deals, I can't tell you how many brands, even going way back to my, the first brand I ever led, every brand I've worked at has always had this struggle where it's like, oh, wow, we have some franchise interest in this state or we have a franchise you already paid us for this state. Yeah. But we just learned from our vendor that they will not store any of our products in those warehouses because there's not enough usage and it cannot, the demand cannot meet uh, the minimums. Actually, I was just thinking about that. How do you control quality and how do you control distribution of your yeah. food? So that you gotta, you gotta start in your central area and, and just slowly and steady and very strategically start to grow around it. I right. See. And if you are going to a new market, which you're gonna have to at some point, you wanna make sure you're getting the best bang for that buck. So if somebody's gonna reach out to you and say, hey, uh, you're based in Dallas, uh, you now have, let's say, 20 units in Dallas. This is, I love your brand. I want to go do one in the middle of nowhere, South Dakota. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about that. Because it most likely it may not work yet. But sometimes people just sell it, get the check, and they say, yeah, sure, go ahead, be a franchisee there. You know, get your store open and we'll figure this out. And then they learn, wow, our proprietary products, the things that make our brand our brand, we can't even get to this location from a distribution standpoint. So what do we do? We pay extra fees in drop shipping. We pay extra fees in trying to work out a new recipe. We spend all this money trying to change something simply because we grew too fast outside of our own boundaries. Territory, yeah. Uh, so you wanna, you wanna grow in states where you know you have distribution and product quality control, uh, which is not everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and actually I've seen other franchisee, uh, franchisors that say, look, you have to open five within three yeah. years or an N number within N number of months or years, et cetera. Yeah. And I think that would be, that would probably sort of address that potentially. It, it will. And sometimes the vendors, the distribution networks will work with you because you have that guarantee. Correct. Uh, so let's say, okay, you know what? We'll allow some product to sit extra long or we'll work out something different because we know there's a, there's a you know, goal here. Uh, but those sometimes are not always fulfilled. Yeah. Right. You do see a lot of that, though, especially when you go into markets that are new for a brand. They say, eh, we got to have a minimum of three, minimum of five. Um, but unfortunately, a lot of those promises aren't fulfilled, especially in the more emerging and newer brands, because they get to unit one, unit two, things don't work out. They close those down. But that also means you just lost the other three that were signed on for. Right? So you technically lost five locations when that happens. Right. Agreed. And I think one thing that the franchisor, so uh, I believe one one area that they fall short I've dealt with franchisors that have a hundred plus units mm -hmm. and they offer nothing to the franchisee. Yeah. And it's like, uh, first I'm, I'm really puzzled why someone would franchise that concept because right. when I think franchising, I'm thinking that all the work is already done for me. Yeah. Not like, here's a recipe. Good luck. See you later. Send me my 6%. Don't forget. Right. <laughs> it's like, what happened yeah. there? <laughs> So this is, this is common, but, but I'll tell you this, your exact assumption about franchising is the similar assumption by most, most people think, okay, I buy into a franchise that everything's done for me. Sure. But here's the, the harsh reality of franchising and franchisees hate when I say this, but it's 100% true. Ask any franchise attorney, go look at the FTC website. Like 
a franchisor does not have to provide any support. I agree. Not one ounce of support. But hold on a minute. They do not have to. Yeah. But if they want to stay in business, they damn well should. That's exactly what I was going to say. So the, I'm glad that worked. But, but there's a fine line. So, so there's a fine line because the franchisors who are arrogant and just collecting money, they could do that. They could say, they're going to go out of business. Sign, uh, yeah. yeah. Come on, sign on, you know, and they help you get open, but then they just disappear. Yeah. I've heard of franchisees say, man, I've been calling my franchisor for months and I cannot yeah. get anybody to help me with this product, this problem. So that's the bad, you know, ways of franchise. Well, the word's going to get out. Restaurant industry, yeah. everybody knows everybody. And yeah. It's like, hey, don't franchise that guy. Yeah. But I, but I share that fact because some franchisees, the argument is, well, I pay you royalty. I sure. pay you these fees. Give me support. But those fees don't actually equal support. Yeah. And I'll, I'll break those down here in a second. But I share it because I want people to understand that just because you're paying a franchisor a fee doesn't mean they have to support you. Sure. But if, if a franchisor wants to stay in business, you got to have the best level of support out there. Correct. And, you know, end of the day, so like, let's look at the fees. A franchise fee, you pay that up front. Yep. Non-refundable. All that fee does is one thing. It gains you access. So whatever the franchisor has, technology partners, uh, operations manuals, whatever they have, it, the franchise fee gains you access. It gives you the key. It unlocks a door. What you do inside that door is up to you. Gotcha. Past that, it means nothing. Yeah. Okay. Now, when you start operating, now you're going to start paying royalties and ad fees. That's usually a percentage of your net or gross sales. Mm -hmm. Of course, most franchisors choose gross sales, um, but they take that percentage out. No royalty fee does not get you support. The royalty fee allows you to have the ongoing rights to use the brand name that I you see. have invested in. Yeah. If you stop paying royalties, you can no longer be that brand. I right? see. So it's, it's basically the ongoing use. It's not the support. The ad fee has to go into a separate fund that the franchisor collects and manages in a whole separate bank account. That 100% of it has to go back into the marketing and growth and the brand awareness of that brand. Right. And so you have access to the franchisee to see that budget, that spend, how it works, how much is left over every year. All that is public because it is a fund that is being you know co-managed, so to speak, with franchisee and franchisor. Sure. But franchise fee, royalty fee, full discretion of the franchisor. I right? see. At the end of the day, though, all these franchisees that are paying fees, and a lot of them also pay fees that we don't talk about as much, like brand fees, mm -hmm. almost anything that has a logo on it, a franchisee is paying a premium for that the franchisor is collecting revenue on. I see. So it's, I'm buying wrap, you know, straws from yeah. my franchise that has their logo on it, which is so ridiculous. Kind of like the pizza box. But yeah, it's okay, a pizza box. Uh, yeah. Um, but if you're buying that, your franchisor is collecting revenue on that directly, yeah. but that revenue also is at sole discretion of franchisor. The good franchisors take most, if not all of that, and put it back into the ad fund yeah. to help grow and get commercials and get national presence and all that. Uh, some don't. Some say, nope, that's a direct revenue for us. That's going to go to our P&L statement. Yeah. Right? Every franchisor is different. Uh, you also want to look for things like the marketing fund. As a franchisor, you're going to initially think, oh, wow, I'm generating some money into this fund now. I'm going to have it all go, to, all go, go towards uh, marketing headcount because you're allowed to legally you know, fund the marketing department out of that ad fund. Mm -hmm. But what does that do for the franchisees? Yeah. If you have a bunch of marketing team members, that doesn't help me if you don't have a budget now to actually spend on digital marketing and advertising. So there's just a lot of factors that go into it. But I'll, I'll wrap this part up with this. No matter what the law is, no matter what the legalities say, a franchisee 
expects exceptional support. And that's what fees means to them. So if you break down the word fees, franchisees expect exceptional support. Oh, that's, that's very good. what they think, right? Because I'm paying you something, so I, I expect something in return. And so regardless of what you do or do not have to do as a franchisor, you should still always operate with the mindset that I'm going to do everything for this franchisee because the franchisee is my guest that I'm serving. I got you. So can you break that down again? What were the fees? <laughs> uh, the actual fees? No, no, oh, no. Oh, yeah. So your franchisees expect exceptional support. So that'll be the, the breakdown to remember that, yes, all these fees are complicated and they, they create drama in the franchise community. But at the end of the day, know why they feel this way. Because if you, if you have a, a provider, you have an issue with your cable, t you're going you're gonna to call your cable network, say, hey, yeah. something's wrong here. I, need, I, I pay you every month for this. It's not working. Get here now and fix it. You're going you're gonna to expect like consumer behavior expectations. Right. right. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, the way we look at it, if I go, like, obviously we're a technology company, so we sell technology into the space. So if I put my technology in and it doesn't do what, it's go what I'm promising it to do and that restaurant goes out of business, who's going to lose? Right. I'm going to be just as Absolutely. much of a loser as that restaurant owner, right? Because right. we're going to lose yet another location, another customer, et cetera. Right. And I think the franchisor to franchisee, the goals, the goals could not be any more on target and on par with each other because... Right. If that fund, yes, you get the franchise fee up front, but you're also retaining 6% or 8%, whatever it is that you're charging. So I would think of it as if I was a franchisor, I would do everything and anything I can to help that one location that's suffering to get to a good level. So that person is successful. So now they're not thinking, oh, I should shut down and go home. Right. And the conversation changes to, oh, I'm making a lot of money. I should go up in the second location. Absolutely. But I'm surprised some of these franchisees, I guess, common sense. Yeah. And, and you have to provide that support. Otherwise, you're no longer a franchise. A franchise does not exist without franchisees. Sure. So you have to have successful franchisees that can actually stay open for the long term, not just a, hey, I sold a, I sold a franchise. I got a fee. Oh, they closed down in six months. Oh, well, it's not how it should be, but it does happen. And, uh, and if, I, if I'm talking to the franchisors, the emerging or the aspiring franchisors, a lot of them get nervous about their brand. They say, oh, this is my recipe. Uh, I've had this restaurant. Yesterday, I had a lady say, hey, I've, I've owned a restaurant for 37 years. For 37 years, people have asked me to franchise. I've always said no. I'm like, why? Because I'm scared. I'm scared that they're not going to perform like me. I'm scared they're not going to deliver my quality. And that comes back down to the, sister, the, the systems and the standards of the brand. But I told her this. I said, look, in franchising, you have to protect a brand. Right. But if you solely focus on protecting a brand, you're never going to grow. Yeah. You're so worried about this little box, right? You don't want to get out of this box. So you can't just protect it solely, but you do need to protect it. Then you have the people that just want to grow. They had one location, maybe zero, and they sold 500 units, you know, overnight. And now they have to figure out how to do it. And all those closed down or never open. So you can't just focus on growth. So you got to find the balance. Right. And usually to grow something, you have to have something you've been protecting. Right. Uh, but you cannot grow something that you're you're solely focused on just for day. So it, it's a it's a balance game. But in the middle of protecting and growth, you have nurture. Just like with kids, just like with a new business, with a new hobby, like you're going to protect what you're learning, you're going to protect yourself, protect your family, you're going to do that. You're also going to want to grow them at the same time, but you can't do either or without nurturing. And yeah. so as a franchisor, you're going to be nurturing your brand to figure out what it takes on both sides to still protect it, but also grow and adapt as time goes on. It's funny because we have a we have a chain that has 22 locations and uh, I go there all the time. 
Yeah. And the owners uh, were saying the same thing. Oh, we're not going to franchise because we're going to lose quality, this, that, et cetera. Yeah. And I'm like, look, it's your obligation at right. this stage. Right. It's right. no longer your baby. It's also mine. Right. Right. Because, you know, I go there all the time and I love the food and it would be, you know, it wouldn't be fun to lose that concept in our area. So I can't go there anymore. So right. I think once, and I think people don't really, I think business owners don't get it. Like yeah. even for me, it took a while to get it that the customers were like, hey, without you, we're like dead yeah. in the water. So it's like, oh, wow. Like they're, they're taking ownership. Right. So they're like, hey, no, it's not your, it's your obligation. Yeah. You can't just like shut down and go home right. or this, that, et cetera. So it, I, again, I think people are, yeah. the business owners or franchisors are underestimating that part that when people come in, they're buying into that vision. They're buying right. into that brand. And now it goes from, you know, a typical business or to do to an obligation to right. do. Right, right. They're investors at that point. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 you know, so when you're out there and you're trying to franchise, you're going to do the things like the franchise shows. You're going to have your booths. You're going to do all this, this work. And it's going to take years to land some deals, right? In some cases. And you want to have a consistent presence, right? You want to go to the top two, three, four shows a year and just keep going, right? Yeah. Keep having presence. You're looking for brand awareness. You're looking for eyeballs. You're looking for people to know, oh yeah, I've heard of your brand. I may never tried it. I may not be a franchisee yet, but I'm getting very familiar and comfortable with your brand. Uh, but what's so funny about this whole idea of how do I start to get franchisees? Everyone thinks it's like this grand expense and it's going to be complicated. In most cases, the first franchise comes from visiting a location, right? That's when franchisees get engaged with and how many franchise brands I've seen that do not have franchise information in house, like in their four walls is ridiculous. Start there, get a pamphlet, brochure, right? Yeah. Get some handouts, put it on your cups, put it on your decals. Now franchising, reach out here, do the basics, right? I mean, Genghis Grill. Your franchisee may be coming into your location. Right. Genghis Grill is a great yeah. example, right? Back when we had seven locations, right? We got to 105. All that was from just in-store, POP. Everything was about- Those franchise. guys crushed it back in the day. They, they the common card. This franchising was franchising. Everything was It like, was so annoying, know. but it worked. It worked. And then I go I go to Orange Leaf, right? Yeah. And I've talked to the franchisees and I say, why did you pick Orange Leaf, right? And in frozen yogurt, you have multiple competitors and every single competitor is a fruit and a color. That's their name. It's some sort of fruit, some sort of color, Yeah. right? Pink berry, right? Yeah. It's all yeah. Yeah. orange leaf, whatever that's supposed yeah. to mean. Um, but you had all these variations and I said, well, why did you choose orange leaf? They said, because your product was the best. And I used to visit as a consumer. Yeah. I would go in my family. I created great memorable experiences there. So I wanted to invest in this brand and I was eating your, out of your cups one day and I saw it said orange leaf franchises go to this website. So people most likely are going to come initially from just being in, you know, an actual guest of your brand. But you've got to have a direct customers. Actually, those are going to be more successful. Yes. Because they've been there, they've experienced it, they liked it, now they're coming to find right? right? right. Instead of somebody, somebody that just comes in and just looks at it as pure bottom line P&L and just numbers only, right? Yeah, start with the so, basics, you know, yeah. get in front of where the guests are today because sometimes your guests are the franchisee. I agree, 100%. Yeah. Awesome. Any other, any other points, anything that uh, they should, any, maybe a couple of common mistakes to avoid, actually. I don't think we touched on that. The first one being, you know, chasing the check. You know, I know we yes. did touch on that, but just don't let don't that big that. check, you know, confuse you and let go of your standards. Stay true to your brand. Stay true to, you know, why you're doing this in the first place. Past that, you know, some common mistakes is getting deep in with like brokers, for example. Oh, yeah. Some of these brokers deals go bad. And then, you know, don't get me wrong. 
sometimes you need brokers, especially if you want to get that presence, right? But brokers sometimes can take, you know, about 20 grand per deal. Yeah. And it's a lot of money. And, you know, recently uh, I was at the, the franchising conference and uh, there was two different brands that had mentioned how they got screwed over big time because these brokers came to them as they were emerging, got in good, were helping them grow. Awesome. Worked out this relationship. But unfortunately, in the fine print said that even after this relationship ends, those brokers still receive a percentage of the franchise fee for oh, every wow. deal from here on out. And that's just so unfair and ridiculous. And that's probably a small subset. But when I heard it was two different brands, two different people, two different states, I was like, wow, yeah, this something. might be a thing. I'm going to share it publicly just in case because I, I look out for franchise. Of course. Um, so just don't get too deep in with brokers and, and don't go too fast. Be, be very strategic and make sure you, you have something that's working and not just a, I opened one location that did well. It's a, is every franchisee doing well when I open, right? Is it, are we getting better and better and better? Are sales actually going up or sales going down? Yeah. Right. Um, and then the last one is now you have a responsibility uh, to really know everything about your model because people are investing in what you put in your FDD, what you put in your franchise agreement, what you put in your ops manual. So as things change, you have to be on top of that, right? You look at item seven of a FDD, it, it talks about the build out cost, right? Uh, I was actually just thinking yeah. about we need to touch base on that. And I'm guilty point. of this. As yeah. a franchisor, every year you have to review your FDD, update it, and refile it. Yeah. Re-register it. Usually item seven stayed the same for me in the brands that I led. Because nothing would change that much. Yes, this is our equipment package. This is the, the build out. This is the tile. We know how it worked, how much it costs. Our ranges were always on point. And people still have that mindset because it's, it's overlooked sometimes. Sure. It doesn't change frequently. But with what's happened since the pandemic, the rise in cost, the rise in all these suppliers and challenges and shipping, everything that's happened, economy itself, people have raised these prices. And in some cases, we heard of franchisees that have paid upwards of 200, 300 grand over the high end of the range provided in the FDC. So now that's scary. Sort of. You're misleading. You're going to become financially responsible to some degree. If they fail, it's just not, it's just not a good look, right? Practice. Um, but I, I, would, I, I would challenge franchisors to become experts in franchising but also allow that expertise to be shared with the franchisees interested in their brand. Because unfortunately, a lot of franchisees are not as experienced or knowledgeable about all the ins and outs of franchising. So don't, don't be secretive. Don't be you know, uh, hiding anything. Just be very open book. And whatever you've learned about franchising, share that as an onboarding experience for these franchisees as well. And I think actually, so I believe you are also doing some consulting for some brands right now yeah. today, right? Yeah. So a lot of franchisors, a lot of franchisees. Okay. How do they get a hold of you if they have questions? Yeah. They reach the email, Kindle at Kindleware.com. Go to my website, Kindleware.com. Anything on social media, it's all on my name. So easy to find. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. I think franchise this is a consultant. huge deal and the mistakes could be, you know, I, I, obviously I follow Alex who I'm losing and he's like, uh, I went to this guy and I said, look, I want you to train me on this. And the guy's like 750 bucks an hour. Yeah. And everybody else would have said, oh, yeah, forget it. I'm not going to spend that kind of money. But he's like, look, because I overpaid and I paid a lot of money, I was very focused. I did right. my homework. I did my due diligence, all that stuff. And I got a lot of value out of it. Yeah. Yes, I might have spent, you know, five, six thousand bucks. But that five, six thousand bucks saved me several million dollars later. So right. I think right. this sounds like one of those topics that. Yeah. You really got to get a consultant in there. You got to get somebody who's on your side, who understands the business, somebody like you who has the experience right. to be able to say, hey, these are the mistakes that are going to cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars. Avoid them now. And for now, it's going to cost you pennies on the dollar. 
but hindsight is going to be very expensive. Yeah. And then some people need consultants. Some people reach out to me just for coaching because like, hey, I'm like in the thick of it right now. I just need some like coaching as I'm going through this to make the like calls. But you know, all things franchising is where my passion is, right? That's what it comes down to. So that's usually where I spend most of my time is where I work with the most. Awesome. Sounds good. Awesome. All right, Thank guys, you. this was very helpful. I learned a lot. I, I, this is one of my weakest uh, topics, weakest points. But it sounds like we need to do a second episode to drill down a little bit more on that. But sure. thanks for tuning in and uh, stay tuned for the future podcast uh, shows. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Here at Milagro, we've solved all of these complex problems of the loyalty and the integration and everything that we've discussed in this podcast. So if you're interested to learn more, contact us and schedule a demo.